You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Eight years ago, this, uh, this next month, eight years ago in June, uh, me and Jamie uh, packed up uh, all of our belongings. Uh, well, actually, we rented a, like a 16-foot U-Haul pull-behind trailer and said if it doesn't fit in the trailer, it's not going to Oregon. Uh, we strapped it on. Uh, we, we put our eight-month-old at the time, Madison, into her car seat, um, put on a little uh, Beethoven uh, kids DVD on repeat, and, uh, and we started the, the drive to, uh, to, to, to Portland to come up here. And uh, our, our minds were just filled with, uh, with dreams of, uh, of, for us, I would say, doing church the right way, you know? I mean, we just had ideas, just grandeur of, of, of uh, what we called a real New Testament church and, uh, and living in, in community with people, um, and we were, we were ready to save Portland, you know? Nobody had done it yet, but we were, we were going to do it. Um, and so we, we hopped in the car, and, uh, and we came up here and, and uh, landed out in Gresham. Didn't know anybody, no friends. We didn't have any family. Uh, we luckily had a job lined up, which helps uh, when you move. But, but we were starting from scratch, and we just knew this was going to be the, the, the greatest thing that would ever happen. Uh, about 10 months later, uh, I would be laying on the floor in my apartment complex in the fetal position, weeping, just, just weeping because nothing had worked out like, like, we had, uh, like we had planned it would. We didn't have any friends. We didn't have enough money. Uh, we didn't like where we lived. No one had come to Christ. No one was even interested. Our marriage was hard. Parenting was even harder. Uh, and it was in that moment that I, I vividly remember uh, Jamie getting down on her knees with me. And in that moment, we stopped telling God what we were and were not going to do and started asking him what he wanted. And we would ask, and we would pray, and we would listen, and then we would be obedient to do what he, what he wanted us uh, to do. And um, eight years later, <laughs> I believe we're now doing what it is that God called us here to do. But when I think back over this journey over the past eight years, uh, it's been a journey of asking God what He wanted and then doing whatever He told us to do. And when I think back, nothing has been easy. Nothing changed quickly. You know, when I, that list of things that I, that I read about, as I was thinking, I was like, man, today we have an amazing church family. We have friends. Uh, God's blessed us with a, a home that we love uh, living in. We're able to see people get saved and disciples uh, are, are being made. But all of those things took years and years to develop. It, it took years to, to be able to, to come out here and to be with you guys. And it, and it took years of continuing to ask God to, to sanctify my marriage. And, and we still have a, a long way to go. But as I think back, nothing happened quickly. That nothing, None of my circumstances changed overnight. But the way that I approach those circumstances did, and the way that me and Jamie handle life as it comes, 
drastically changed because we were able to wait and trust in God that He was going to do something. And there's a, an amazing amount of satisfaction that comes in, in, in doing what God wants versus fighting Him for supremacy in your life. And that is a lesson that none of us can really learn without having to be taught it the hard way. We just really have to learn to trust God and, and learn uh, what He's doing. Uh, in today's passage, Jesus is going to talk a, a, a lot about this. Uh, he's going to talk about trusting in Him and, 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 and praying to Him. Because you can say that you believe that God is in control of your life. You can, you can say that all day long, but it's your and my responses to the daily struggles of life that will determine what we really believe about God. And God wants us to trust Him. And many times, He allows us to wait and to go through these hard circumstances to build that trust. And this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. So we're going to read Matthew 7. I would invite you guys to stand up as we read the Word together. Uh, Hear the Word of the Lord, Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? Let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you uh, asking, seeking, knocking, God, that you would open up our hearts to truth uh, today, God, that you would uh, use your word to to build our trust in you as as we think about the circumstances that are going on even right now, even this morning, the weight that we feel of life and uh, and relationships and and, and pressures and decisions. Uh, Father, would, we, uh, would you use your word to allow us to see your sovereign plan in all of this, God, that, that we would trust uh, not just in our circumstances or in our feelings, but we would trust you as a, as a good God, as a good dad that, uh, that takes care of us, uh, Father. So I would, open up, I, would, I would pray that you would open up our heart to that truth. We would ask that in your name. Amen. You guys have a seat. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, has been teaching his disciples all about his kingdom. And he's covered a lot of stuff. I mean, just think about all the things that Jesus has talked about so far. Uh, we've we've uh, taught, taught through the Sermon on the Mount in 15 messages so far, kind of breaking it down real slowly a section at a time. Uh, the disciples probably heard it in about 15 minutes. I mean, they were just overwhelmed with the amount of truth that came. And it doesn't matter if you hear it over 15 messages like we have here on a Sunday morning, or if you heard it over 15 minutes, uh, following Jesus can be incredibly overwhelming at times. Let's just be honest. I mean, when we look at all of the things, even just that we've talked about up until this point, and this is a, a small list, this isn't as everything, but, uh, but we think about being poor in spirit, how, being pure in heart in our relationships, being merciful, having anger but not sinning, uh, not lusting, uh, divorce and being in relationship with one another, retaliation, loving my enemies and praying for them, giving to the needy, turning to God for my daily needs, forgiving people who sin against me, not storing up treasures on earth, not coveting, not being anxious, judging and being a peacemaker. It's like, ah! 
You know, it's, it's a lot, isn't it? I mean, just the reality of, of how do I do this? How do I, how, do I, how do I change in all these different areas? How do I trust God? And in the midst of all that, all of this teaching that Jesus has done, as he's just, I mean, just word vomited on his disciples, Jesus stops and he says, in light of all of that, let's pray to our dad. Let's pray to our father about these things. If it's stuff that you have or it's stuff that you don't have, I want you to pray. If it's about your marriage or your parenting, I want you to pray. If you're anxious about your relationships, pray. If you're in a conflict with someone and don't know how to get out of it, pray. This is Jesus' answer to the, the overwhelming reality of life, is to pray. And Jesus doesn't just tell us to pray, but he says, here's how you pray in the Lord's Prayer. But he also goes a step farther and says, and here's the attitude in which you should pray. And it's an attitude of, of persistency. That's really what he's getting at here in, in Matthew 7, 7. You know, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and to the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be, it will be opened. Uh, ask, seek, knock. It's a, it's a building pattern of persistency. This is what Jesus is calling us to. You can read it, uh, and it can be read, um, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Ask, seek, knock, and keep on doing it. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. It's a pretty interesting picture that Jesus paints here. It's, it's almost one of a, of a nagging child. That's the way that we're supposed to come before God and talk to Him about the cares and the concerns that, that we have in our life to, to, to keep asking and asking and asking and asking. Uh, parents, do you ever, you ever get annoyed when you're, when you're talking with someone or you're doing something and your child wants your attention? What does that child normally do? It typically starts with asking. or I mean, typically start, yeah, it starts with asking. A lot of times they'll be in the other room. And my, I'll be sitting at my computer working and my kids will be doing something in the living room. And I'll hear, Dad, 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 Daddy, Daddy. And if I don't answer, what do they do? They come seeking you, don't they? And they, they're like, Dad, Dad. And then they'll, they'll seek me out, it's me or Jamie, and they'll find me. And if I'm doing something and I'm not giving the, paying attention to them, what, what's next? They start knocking. They're like, Dad. They'll grab me and put their hand on me, Dad. Dad, dad. Now, for us as a parents, it's incredibly annoying because we're doing something really important. It's not to God. That's the exact picture that he paints here of the, the, the attitude in which we're supposed to come before him and ask. We're supposed to keep asking and asking and asking because he is a good dad and doesn't get annoyed with his children. Uh, and, and Luke's account of Jesus actually saying these words, uh, Luke records it someplace else, which isn't surprising that Jesus would say the same thing on multiple occasions. Repetition is a good thing. We need it to learn. But when Luke records Jesus saying this, it comes just after Jesus teaching them a, a form of the Lord's Prayer. The disciples ask Jesus how they should pray in Luke 11. He, t- he gives them a shorter version of the Lord's Prayer. And then he follows it up with this really interesting story it's a parable of a, of a friend who, um, a person who has some out-of-town company show up in the middle of the night. He doesn't know they're coming. 
Uh, maybe they got there sooner than he thought they were, and all of a sudden they're there, and he's not ready, and he's expected to entertain these people and to be a host, and the guy has no food for them. And so he goes to his neighbor's house, and he knocks on the door of his neighbor and says, hey man, open the door. I have company here, and I need to feed them. I need bread to feed, to feed my company. Well, the neighbor shouts back and says, the kids are in bed. I am not getting up and answering this door, which makes sense. You ever put kids to bed? You don't want to wake them up. Just leave them there. And, uh, and he won't get up. And so in the story, Jesus says, well, the man keeps knocking on the door. And eventually the guy gets up and he, and, he, and he opens the door to his neighbor. And he gives his neighbor what he wants. Not because he's being a good friend to his neighbor, because he was persistent in knocking on the door. Eventually he gets up and D- Jesus says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. I had something really funny, and, and well, it wasn't funny at the time, but something similar to me happened on my wedding night. Uh, we uh, got married and, uh, and, and went, to, went to our house. Me and Jamie had, had purchased a home in a neighborhood, and, uh, and Jamie had been living there for about a month, and, uh, and I had been coming over a lot. We had been working on the house and getting it all ready, and I had befriended this teenager across the street that... Uh, that was kind of socially awkward kid, put it that way. Uh, and, uh, and so if I ever, and I was a youth minister at the time at a church, so it made sense. Um, and if I was ever home, if, if he ever saw my black truck in the driveway, that kid made a beeline for our house and he was over there and he was wanting to hang out. Uh, he was just a real deprived kid and just loved hanging out and, 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 and chilling. So, so naturally what happens? I pull up in my truck, Jamie's in her white gown. She gets out. I do the whole like pick her up and carry her to the door open the door, the procession in, you know, you guys know what follows after that. And so we go inside and, uh, and Jamie's like, okay, uh, I'm going to go in and I'm going to, I'm going to take a shower first because she's makeup and all that good stuff. And I'm like, okay. So she, she goes into the bathroom and, and is taking a shower and, you know, I go into the bedroom and I'm getting myself ready, you know, <laughs> striking a pose, you know, I mean, I was, I was going to, wow her with my manliness when she came out of that bathroom. And, uh, and so I'm laying there, just, just uh, as you can imagine, you probably don't want to, but I'm laying there. And, uh, and guess what I hear? Knock, 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 knock. And I'm like, I don't care who that is. I'm not getting out of this bed. They can just go away. Then the knocking moves to ringing the doorbell. And after about three or four ringing, then it turns to Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. And I'm like, oh, so I get out and I put my pants on and I go to the door and I know who it is. And I open the door and I'm like, what? And he was like, you want to hang out? And I'm like, did you not see the white gown and me carrying her in here? No, I don't want to hang out. But the reality is if he knocked long enough, he knew I would come to the door and I would answer him. God says, just be persistent in your asking of me. He says this in multiple parables, multiple ways throughout the scriptures. I want you to be persistent in asking and asking and asking and trust that I am doing something. And that's what we're trying to learn to do today is to, to trust God. So after Jesus gives us this attitude of persistency and prayer, he then goes on to talk about the one that we are praying to. So not only do we need to have in our minds persistency in asking, but we also need to know who is this God that we are asking? Who is this Father? And he paints this picture of who our Father is. He says in verse 9, 
Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? It's, it, it, it's a completely logical argument. He says, all of you parents, you know how to give good gifts to your children. You know what it's like to, to be able to bless them with something and the joy on their faces. I love giving my children gifts and, and seeing their response to that, that, that affection, that, that, that love that I have for them. And Jesus says, if you who are sinful, we're all broken, we're all frail humans, if we know how to give good gifts to our kids... How much more would a good, perfect Heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to us, His children? We are His adopted children. Makes sense, right? It's a logical argument. Now, when you think it through, and, the, and there's a couple of objections that I think that pop up. I mean, we, we can hear Jesus say that and say, okay, God's a dad and we're the kids and He, want, he wants to give us good gifts. But what are, what, are the, what are the questions that arise out of that? For the first one, I think, so does that make God a, a genie in a bottle, right? If God tells us to ask, knock, seek, and then he says he's a good father, is, isn't he just kind of a, a genie in a bottle? And if so, he isn't doing a very good job because there are plenty of things that we have all asked for that has never happened or at least hasn't happened yet. So I think that's one objection that comes up. The other objection that comes up is, what do we do with all the people in the world who don't believe in God that seem to have everything that they need? Right? What do we do with my coworker whose marriage seems to be great, and he has tons of money, and I'm a follower of Jesus, and things are really, really hard. How do I reconcile those two things? Why would the world have things that we wouldn't have? Why would they be blessed in a way that we wouldn't have? And I just want to start with the second question first of, of what do we do with, with the blessings that people uh, receive who aren't, who aren't believers, who don't believe in, in Christ. Um, and here's my answer. There, there are many things that we receive and that also the world receives um, because God has what we would call common grace for his creation, right? God created all of us. He created the believer and the, the unbeliever. And he created every human being in his image. And because humans are created in the image of God, they have great capacity for blessing. They, they can be creative. They can make things. They can work hard. They can love one another. And, and these are all a result of God's common grace, all being made in his, in his uh, image. They are gifts from God that all human beings possess. We did not evolve. We are not reaching our greatest potential at some point, as, as uh, the Church of Scientology would, would teach. But God has been and continues to be gracious toward all of His creation, believer and unbeliever. And people are going to experience that common grace, whether they acknowledge it from God or not. And you and I are going to experience common grace on a daily basis, air to breathe, food to eat, uh, a world that continues to spin. These are all uh, ability to work. These are all common grace from God, right? But just because they're common grace does not mean that we're not supposed to uh, ask God for these things. 
God tells us to ask for these things. Look at the, the two things that he used as an example in this parable that a, a parent would give a kid. It's, it's bread and it's fish. I mean, they're, they're daily things. It's daily substance. And praying for, for daily things, even though they are common grace, is a reminder to us of our dependency on God. This is why we pray during meals, right? This is a part of our culture. Many of you, as a, I've grown up in a household that prayed when you ate, we do not pray to ask God to bless the food. That's the goofiest thing that I've ever heard. God bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. That's not what prayer is meant to be. Prayer is meant to be, hey, thanks God for the food. You know, God bless these chicken nuggets to the nourishment of my body. It's not going to happen. Right? It doesn't matter how sovereign God is. It's not going to work. Why do we pray like that? Because it's just a habit. I, and I am guilty of doing it. And God, I'll pray. And, and God bless us through the nourishment of our bodies. Amen. That is not reminding ourselves of God's common grace that he is giving us. But in your prayers saying, thank you, God, for providing food, is a reminder to your heart that God has just done something for you. He's given you the ability to work. He's given you food. He's given you a place to eat it and people to eat it with. We need to, to start being more intentional in the things that we do on a, regular, on, on, a, on a regular basis. So when I think, so, so on one side, there's, there's common grace. The things that we all receive from God give us this day our daily bread. Common grace from God. It's a good thing. We should be asking to it on a regular basis. But on the other side, we should be asking God for what we would call as saving grace. Those are the two types of grace that God gives us. Common grace is for every human being. Saving grace is only for Christians. And God tells us repeatedly to ask for saving grace. An example, the Lord's Prayer. When you look at the prayer that Jesus, that, that Jesus prayed, here's what he prays for. That the name of the Father would be hallowed, that his kingdom would be advanced, that his will would be done, that, uh, that we would receive daily bread, that we would be able to extend forgiveness and receive forgiveness, and that we would be delivered from evil. Daily bread is the only part of that prayer that's a common grace that, that God gives. All the other aspects of the Lord's prayer are saving grace. They are things that you cannot do outside of God and you need him to do. But I think if we examine the way that we pray, are the majorities of your prayer common grace or saving grace? It's probably common grace, isn't it? It's probably asking for the, and, I, and we should pray for, for common grace. Those are important things. God, give me food tonight. You know, God, give me a good night's rest. Give me energy for the next day. But give, Father, would you give us healing over something? Those are all really important prayers. But saving grace is something that Jesus emphasizes that we pray for. That Let's be honest, we don't spend a whole lot of time praying about. We don't spend a whole lot of time praying for the forgiveness, uh, the be able, God, would you give me the ability to forgive today? God, would you, would you have your will accomplished today in my life? Uh, Father, would your name be hallowed? Because I believe that's the most important thing. Father, would you protect me from the evil one? Those are all things that are completely outside of our control that need to be a part of our, of our, of our praying life. When I, when I think about my kids, 
this saving grace is something that, I, that I'm, I'm always praying about because there are so many things with my children that are completely out of my control. I can feed them. I can protect them when they're in my, around my influence. I can give them a home. But everything else is completely out of my control. That they would believe in God is out of my control. That they would not be influenced when they're at school. That they would be taught the right ways, that they would be protected from the, the evil one, that they would understand grace and forgiveness and learn to be repentant, that they would have a spouse one day. All of those things are completely out of my control, but they're all a part of God's saving, redemptive grace that he's giving to us as his people. We need to get in the habit of asking for these things over and over and over again, not just our daily bread. Daily thanking God for saving grace is a reminder to us that He is in control. And if Jesus just last or two weeks ago, He ended saying, we'll talk about anxiety, sufficient for the day is it's on trouble, right? If that's true, sufficient for the day is it's on trouble, then God giving you the grace that you need every single day should be a part of your, your prayer life. Every day we should be getting up and saying, God, give me common grace hear those things and God give me saving grace because I just don't know if I can forgive again today. I just don't know if I can forgive my spouse. She just sinned against me one too many times. I just don't think I can do it again. Ask of God and and seek, man, seek after him, seek after him, seek after him and wait on God. Here's the second objection that that comes up. I think when we think about uh, prayer as the the topic of unanswered prayer, Uh, what do we do when prayer doesn't work? Uh, How many times have you and I prayed for something and we have not received that thing? The reason is because God's answers to prayer are not unconditional. But if He is our good and right Heavenly Father and we are His adopted children, then we can trust that God gives us good things when we need it and He doesn't give us bad things that we don't need, even if we don't understand the difference between those two. Because God is good, He only gives good gifts to His kids. Because God is wise, He only gives wise gifts to His children. Jesus has already said that a good parent wouldn't give a snake to his kid, and we have to believe the same thing about the provisions of God. I ask, and if I don't receive, then I'm okay with that. Because God must have something better out there. And I know that's hard. Because we don't understand, we're not God. But this is where faith and trust comes in. James 4 says, you do not have because you do not ask, right? We talked about that last week. But James goes on to say, but if you ask and you do not receive, it's because you ask wrong and you spend it on your passions. I want to get in the habit of asking God regularly for my needs, for things. But if he says no, I don't want to force his hand. Because one thing that's true about God that we know from his scriptures, if, if we want something that God doesn't want us to have, and there's plenty of things that I want, right? And, and like, like Royce taught, you can't have two masters where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If I'm asking for treasures and I don't receive those treasures, then I have to trust that, that God has something else for me. God may not give me something because he knows it would become my treasure. And him not giving, to me, giving that thing to me is actually his grace upon me. If you try to force God's hand, 
He may give you what you want to teach you how unsatisfying it is. I've seen that in my life. I really want this thing. I really want this thing. And God didn't provide, and so I force his hand. I go out and do it myself. You know, I don't want to ask anybody else because I know what they're going to say. And I'm just going to do this thing anyway. And God will give you that thing because he wants to teach you how unsatisfying it is. Because he knows he loves us. He's a good dad. And he knows that we wouldn't, we wouldn't learn any, any other way. Many times, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Right? Garth Brooks fans out there? Nobody? Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Theology of prayer, according to Garth Brooks, right? I mean, he, it's true. The many of the things that I don't have, although I don't understand, is, is, is God's grace upon me. Uh, John Stott says it like this in one of the books I was reading. He says about God giving good gifts, he says, So then, if we ask for good things, he grants them. And if we ask for things which are not good, either not good in themselves or not good for us or others directly or indirectly, immediately or ultimately, he denies them. And he he is the only one that knows the difference between those two. We just have to trust and have faith and he's doing something. So why is God not giving me a good thing? You know, why, why isn't God giving me a spouse? Or why is he taking my spouse away? Why isn't God giving me finances? Uh, God, why, why aren't you giving me the children uh, that I've asked for? God, why aren't you reconciling this relationship? These are all really, really good things. God, why is, why is there sickness? Why are you not healing me? God, why are you not giving salvation to this person that I love? Why wouldn't you do that? Sometimes God just makes us wait because he knows in the waiting we will learn something that we would have never have learned any other way. When I look at the the scripture, Sarah had to wait 90 years to have a kid. Can you imagine? God telling Abraham, I'm going to create a nation out of you. And he was like 90 at the time. Abraham wasn't, it wasn't, it was like a decade later that God actually gave them their first child. And did they, did they force God's hand? Yeah, Hagar, Ishmael. And we see how that turned out, right? But God says, just be patient because I have something that I'm doing. So God makes us, makes us wait. Uh, Sarah had to wait 90 years. Moses, he had to wander 40 years before he even got to see the promised land. And then he didn't get to go in. WTF, right? <laughs> what do we do with that? That's That's God. David, David has to watch Saul rule the throne while David is the anointed king of Israel. And not only that, he gets to spend a couple of years living in caves while while he should be sitting on the throne. What's God doing? Teaching David, right? Daniel, he waits 40 years in captivity before God comes in and rescues him out of captivity. It's a long time to wait. But I don't deny that waiting is not wasted time. We have to learn to to find peace in the decisions of God. And when we do that, I truly believe that, that, like Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Over that eight-year period from us moving up here to being here, 
it was, a, it was a time period of God teaching me to be satisfied at that time. Of times that I, I would get sinned against, and I would say, God, I do not understand why you would have that, let that happen, but I trust that you're doing something. And God, I don't, I don't know why you don't want this good thing for me, because I, I think it'd be pretty awesome to have this, but I'm going to learn to be satisfied right now where you have me. And that is something that we can't, we can't learn any other way aside from that. Uh, not being anxious is incredibly worshipful to God. It's easy to worship God when things are going great, but when things are just, when my marriage seems like it's tanking and my kids aren't believing and I, and I don't have enough money to pay my bills and, you know, I may lose my home, I may lose my job. Inside of those circumstances, in the, midst, in the midst of all that anxiety, in the midst of all that trouble, Jesus says, stop, pray to your heavenly Father, trust that he's doing something, and then have peace. And that is worship. It's a, it's a lifestyle of worship inside of, inside of your circumstances. That's what God's calling us to do today. When we come to the tables in a minute and we break the bread, we're supposed to remember the love of the Father. That that, Jesus, that God not only just forgave us of our sins, He paid for them. You want to know how much God loves you? Do you want to know the extent of God's grace for you, the extent of His provision? Before the world was created, He decided that He would send His Son one day to die for you. And we know that 2,000 years ago, He did that. Jesus came to the earth. He died to pay a death that we all owed. That is the love of the Father for His creation at that time, for His creation past and His creation um, present and future. We need to remind our hearts of the love of the Father. So I invite you guys to come. Come and lay your burdens at the cross and do that by reminding yourself of the love of the Father. We're going to end here reading out of the book of Romans. uh, Romans 5, uh, verses 6 through 11. And I pray that, that, uh, that God would open up our hearts to the reality of His love for us, uh, even now as we, as we worship and, and we pray. So let's read together. Romans 5, uh, 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed His love for us and that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since therefore, we have not, we, since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, though, through whom we have now received reconciliation. As you come and you remind yourself of the reconciliation that you've received through Jesus Christ, would you also remind yourself of the good plans that he has for you? Plans that we may not even realize in this life, but we have to trust that he's doing something. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I come before you uh, just being, being pulled between the reality of even what I just said and the reality of, of how hard life is. Father, as I, as I teach this message and I look around the room and I look into the eyes of my family, uh, God, there's a lot of things going on in our lives that we don't understand. 
Father, I don't, I don't know why you're allowing certain things to happen. God, I know, I know the world's sinful. Father, I, I know that, that it's broken and we're all under the weight of that sin and brokenness. But at the same time, I also believe that you're sovereign. God, I, I believe that you're in control. Father, would you, would you open up all of our hearts to see your sovereignty, even if, if our circumstances don't change, God? Would you, would, you, would, you create, would you use our circumstances to teach us to be a people that trust in you, a people that pray and that pray persistently over and over and over again, because that's what you tell us to do. And it's in that persistency that we will build our trust and our faith in you, Father. So would your name be hallowed? Would your kingdom be advanced? Would your will be done in my life and the lives of my family here? Uh, Father, would you, would, would you provide in your timing uh, for all of us? God, I ask that you do that. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.